Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. for about four and a half years and uh, it's been one of the best things that has ever happened to my wife and I. Uh, Before I attended New Life, you know, I always believed in God but uh, didn't have a lot of faith and uh, always had that empty void um, in my heart. Uh, Had a great business, great wife and a, a good family and there was always something missing. And it was just that void. I'd already accepted Christ as my Savior, but uh, something was missing in in my life. And uh, October 28th of 2009, uh, when I got up that morning, I did did not realize how my life was going to change that day. went to work, um, had a very serious accident at work um, to my left arm. And uh, as I rode in the helicopter to the hospital, everything was running through my mind about my family, uh, if I was ever going to work again, if I was going to have my arm. And when the doctor came in and he said to me, you're one of the luckiest people I've ever seen, um, I said, I know, and he said, no, you don't know. He said, uh, you know, your breaker artery's looking at me. He said, that's a three-minute bleed out. You would have never made it here. He left that room. I had an emotional breakdown that I never experienced ever in my life. Uh, and I prayed for the first time for a long time. And uh, I just thanked the Lord for my life, for still being alive. And uh, told him, you know, whatever you want me to do, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do it. In the next three weeks or three months of recovery at home, the Lord just kept sending some tremendous people with a lot of faith into my life. My daughter um, had started to attend New Life and uh, she had known Alex Summers and through her tragic loss, um, my daughter started to attend New Life and immediately I could see a change in my daughter. She would come home from service and, and, I mean, immediate change. And uh, it was to the point where I couldn't wait for her to come home and uh, tell me the, the message that the, the uh, Pastor Chris had, had went over. And uh, my wife and I, you know, we always bounced around to churches. Um, and we'd go for a while, kind of when it fit our schedule. Um, so my daughter invited us to New Life. And... Uh, uh, I'll be honest, the first time I went, I really didn't like it. Um, I was more of a traditional type guy. Um, but the message that Pastor Chris had, had gave that day, I went home and I, I just couldn't get out of my head and um, I couldn't wait to go back. And um, shortly thereafter, Pastor Chris had did a series on generous giving. Um, I think it was a three week series. Uh, and at the end of it, he challenged us to a 90 day challenge to 
be generous with our time, our talents, and our treasures, and um, to give and, and look for nothing in return. And, uh, you know, I went home that night, and I, I still had the void in, in me. I, I mean, I was, I thought I had everything, but there was such a void. And um, that night, I took that challenge, and I recommitted my life to Jesus Christ. Um, and not only committed, but I, I surrendered to him. And, um, you know, that the very next day, that void was filled in my heart. I mean, I was, I was fulfilled. And um, by attending New Life, um, you know, I finally found what the wife and I was looking for for years. Um, I, I would read the Bible, but I never interpreted it very well. But at New Life, um, when the staff does their service and um, the scripture, I mean, I finally understood it. And um, it was, you know, I realized it wasn't about me no more. And, um, he has done some amazing things in my life, and, and, and through new life, it, you know, it, we finally felt at home. Um, I remember one day um, after, uh, after I reaccepted the Lord, you know, I was working, and, and it was just one of those days that he was putting people in front of me everywhere I went. and. Um, I got to pray with people, uh, got to talk with my customers, and I couldn't wait and call my daughter um, and tell her, you know, that day I could feel the, feel the Lord. I said to Polly, I said, I can feel him riding beside me. That's how close I feel. I can feel him in the truck. And, um, she, and she just said to me, you know, this is my daughter telling me, she says, well, you finally surrendered to him. And I think we underestimate the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, he's constantly knocking at our door. He, he knocked at my door my whole adult life, and um, finally I opened it. You know, it's, I can't even think of going a day now without talking to Jesus and, and praying. Um, I can't imagine what it would be like. But one of the things about New Life, we first started attending, it was at the primary center, and uh, I've seen how it is impacting people's lives. Um, every every weekend that we come, you know, we see new people coming to this church. That um, it, it is just a blessing to see the Lord working through this church. And I don't honestly think that um, we'll ever know how many people are impacted by this church um, and in this community. Um, one of the greatest joys I get is when I am greeting on Saturday night. Um, and I look at the people coming in of all ages and um, the young families, the young kids. And when I see the young people coming through that door, I mean, I, I, you know, I have to say an amen because that is our future. And the amount of the, the youth that are attending youth group and, and, you know, that just shows me how the Lord's working through this church. I mean, uh, it's just amazing um, the impact that in this community and, and throughout the world, you know, um, it, it, every day you can see it. And, um, and I, am, I am so blessed that we found New Life, and it's amazing how we found it through somebody else. My wife and I both are saying yes to the New Life initiative, yes initiative, because we know the impact that this church has in the future to, to do in this community.
I'm Roger Davis, and I'm saying yes. Good morning. I'm Pastor Chris. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life, and I never really recovered from that video last night. I hadn't seen it before service, and it hit me so hard that I really could. I mean, I preached, but uh, it, that's really why we started New Life, so that people's lives would be changed from the inside out forever. And to hear a man, you know, give a testimony like that, it. it I mean, I just wanted to go home. I didn't think we really needed a sermon after that. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> I'm going to preach anyway. Uh, so this morning, what I want to talk about is something that I think would be true of everybody. Uh, for me, there are times when I wish it was easier to follow Jesus. Do you ever wish it was easier <laughs> to follow Jesus? I mean, I read my Bible, pick up my Bible, especially when I get into Gospels and I read what Jesus says and some of the challenges he makes. And I go, Jesus, this is impossible. There's no possible way that anybody could do this. And then I realize, I, I know it's supposed to be impossible to do without the power of the Holy Spirit, but sometimes I read what he says, and even with the Holy Spirit, I'm thinking, man, this is going to be really, really hard. And Luke 14, which is what we're going to read this morning, is actually one of those passages where, as you read it, you're thinking, this can't be done. And I know it can be, because it wouldn't be in there if it, if it wasn't possible. And so if you're here this morning for the very first time, maybe you're checking Jesus out, or maybe you're wondering if there's even a God, this is going to be a challenging message. But if you've been coming here ever since we started New Life, if you've been a follower of Jesus for 47 years like I am, this is still going to be a challenging message. Because Jesus wants us to count the cost of saying yes before we do anything in our lives. And pretty much everything we do, um, we're supposed to count the cost. Now, I know a lot of preachers will tell you, if you trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord, everything's going to be easy. Everything's going to be great. You're going to have everything you ever wanted. Your life is going to be incredible. But I wonder if that pastor ever read Luke 14, 25 to 33. You'll see what I mean when we get there. But so this morning, we're in the midst of this series, second week in a series called Just Say Yes. And uh, we're, we're going to talk this morning about counting the cost of saying yes. What will it cost us if we say yes to God? I love many things about Jesus, but I would say one of the things that I love most about Jesus is that he told us up front how much it will cost us to say yes to him. As we're going to see in Luke 14, Jesus calls us to love him more than anything or anyone in our lives. He tells us that we have to put him first. He doesn't want any lukewarm or any half-hearted followers. Jesus calls us to be all in. In fact, one time, about three decades after Jesus died, rose from the dead, went back to heaven, he appeared to one of his apostles named John, one of the first of the 12 original disciples, in a vision. And in that vision, he dictated to John seven letters to seven churches in Asia Minor. And in one of those churches, which the people in that church thought they were all in, they thought they were fully devoted to him, uh, he showed them that really they weren't not only not fully devoted, they weren't even devoted to him. This is, what, this is what he said to them. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, it doesn't get any tougher than that, does it? And, and, and a lot of times... 
It's going to seem like it's just too hard, but we're going to find out how we can do what Jesus calls us to do as well as exactly what it is he's calling us to do when we say yes to him. Count the cost before you say yes. Count the cost, Chris, before you say yes. And, and so are we willing to count the cost and pay the cost to be his followers? If you're thinking, well, hey, wait a minute. I thought that salvation was a gift. I thought it was free. I thought you didn't have to do anything to get saved. And if you think that, then you've been listening when we've been preaching, because that's the truth. You don't have to do anything to get saved. In fact, if you read your Bible and you know it says that anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, that's true. And saved means saved from sin and death and saved for a life of meaning and purpose both now and forever. But the thing is, when we are saved, which is a gift, and we can't do anything to, to earn it, as we talked about last week. Remember we said being born again, it's something that Jesus does for us. He paid the cost um, for us to be born again, to be a new person. That's what we talked about last week. But the thing is, when Jesus becomes our Savior, he also becomes our Lord. Lord means owner. Master, He gets to tell us what to do because once he is our Lord, he owns us. Everything we are, everything we think, say, and do belongs to him, and it's supposed to glorify him. That's the call on our lives. So what Jesus is going to do here today is he's going to tell a group of people, a large group of people, that it costs something after you're saved. It costs something to follow him in a daily way. So let's look at today's take-home point. And if you're new this morning, we, have, we seek to make one point every week, just one, and, and we want to take it home. And this week, it's really going to take it home because it's what it is. It says, I will seriously consider the best yes I can offer to Jesus. I will seriously consider the best yes I can offer to Jesus. And what I'm going to ask everybody here to do, including myself, is get up every day. Sometime, probably best would be first thing in the morning, and just ask yourself, ask myself, what is the best yes I can give to Jesus at home, at work, at school, where I hang out. What is it going to mean to give him my best yes? And we're going to turn to Luke 14 now. And if you have your Bible, your Bible app, you're going to want to turn to Luke 14, verse 25. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have one. And we're going to see how much it costs to say yes. But before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you paid the ultimate cost in your son Jesus for us to have salvation, to have a life that is truly life now and forever. And God, we actually thank you that you also call us to live a life of meaning and purpose. And it's not going to be an easy one all the time, but it is going to be a powerful one. God, I ask today that as we have gathered together in the name of Jesus, that you will fill each of us with your Holy Spirit so that we can receive your message, your truth, your goodness, that we can understand how we can say yes to you even when it's extremely difficult. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. One last thing I want to say before we read the word this morning, and that is I always say that the Christian life or following Jesus is simple, but it's not easy. And the reason I say that is because of, it's so simple to trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord that a five-year-old could do it. But at the same time, an 85-year-old will never plumb the depths of what it means to be saved or what it means to, at the deepest depth to serve him with all of our hearts. So now let's turn to Luke chapter 14, verse 25. And in that passage, it says this. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, 
If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Now, that's the New Living Translation. And the New Living Translation actually tones down what Jesus really said. In the original Greek that we have, uh, which is translated into many languages, English being the one that we use, um, it, it says something a little stronger than that. It's true that what Jesus was saying was that our love for him must be so great that our love for anybody else would be like hate by comparison. But he didn't say like hate. He said hate. Here's what he actually said. Anyone who does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even your own life cannot be my disciple. So as I said, I've been following Jesus for 47 years. I've read this passage many times. And every time I come to it, I sort of choke. I go, really? How am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to? And finally, after 47 years of following Jesus, I'm finally beginning to understand what it means to love Jesus so much that as incredible and difficult as it sounds, that by comparison, that I would hate Nancy, Abby, Emmy, even myself. But I get it. I, I get it because this is what Jesus really, I think, is saying. Jesus gave everything for you and me. So he wants us to give our best yes, our deepest love to him. And Jesus made this statement to the crowd. Everywhere Jesus went, there were crowds following him. And it makes sense that there would be because, after all, everywhere Jesus went, he healed sick people. He, he fed hungry people. He cast demons out of people. He even raised dead people. I'm guessing that in any era of history, a guy like that is going to attract a crowd, right? But what Jesus wanted people to understand and understand very clearly is he offered something far greater than free food, physical healing, and, and you know, exorcisms. He offered something far greater than that. And it's hard for us to understand what would be greater than that. He offered us what he called abundant life here and now and eternal life in heaven when this life ends. So the, the blessings of abundant life here and now and eternal life in heaven carry with it a corresponding responsibility. And that responsibility is to serve him, put him first in our lives. In fact, after he gives the first difficult statement, he follows it up with another one. He says, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Now, if the crowd heard that, and I'm sure they did, they would immediately think about a literal cross because in that day, people were executed brutally by crucifixion. And so when Jesus said, you can't follow me unless you carry your cross, they would have said, what? And sometimes I think we say, what? And the truth of the matter is, it's a little bit easier, a little bit easier, because in one of the other Gospels it says Jesus added the word daily. You must pick up your cross daily and follow me. Now, why do I say that makes it easier? Because we know that most likely he didn't mean literally pick up your cross, because if you literally picked up your cross and took it to the place they crucified you, then your life is over. But if he says do it daily, what he's saying is we must sacrifice ourselves every day. When we get up in the morning, we must commit ourselves to sacrifice our lives for the purpose of following Jesus. We must put other people before ourselves. We must be willing to say no to ourselves, even if it means death, so that we can say yes to whatever it is that Jesus has in store for us that day. Now, the interesting thing to me is that there are analysts for everything in the world these days, right? But there are analysts that analyze churches, and they go around and they look at churches that are, that are increasing in, in people and people that are, churches that are declining in a number of people. And they say, well, you know, there are low commitment churches and there are high commitment churches. Well, I have a question for us. 
How could a low-commitment church exist if it were following Jesus? How could a low-commitment church exist if it were following Jesus? Now, ever since New Life began, I have been preaching the truth of Jesus and the love of Jesus because I believe that when a person trusts Jesus as Savior and Lord and puts Jesus first in our lives, that our lives will be incredibly different in a good way than they could ever be any other way. And I also believe that it's my job to equip you so that the day that you meet Jesus face to face for the very first time, that will be the best day in your eternity. And after Jesus offered these two extreme examples of how much it's gonna cost to say yes to him, uh, just literally, he, he gives two stories that would, will give us pictures of what it would mean to say yes. And, to count the cost first. So here's what he says next. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. Now that's a pretty practical example for us, isn't it? because we're in the midst of a building project. We're gonna be building another building, uh, and as we talked about last week, Children's Nurture and Discipleship Center, because we've run out of space in this building for children's ministry, youth ministry, and even some of the adult ministries we're doing. So we know that we need to build a building, and what Jesus is saying is, count the cost before you start building so you don't get partway done and can't finish it. So, here's the question. Do we have enough commitment enough resources individually and together to complete it and pay for it? And the short answer to that question is, without God, no. With God, most definitely, yes. And what do I mean by that? I mean, if we seek to follow Jesus in our own power, without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are gonna fail. We are not gonna be able to do it. And what I'm not saying is that we won't be able to build a building and even pay for it. What I'm saying is that without fervent prayer, without putting the Holy Spirit in control of each of our lives and all of our life together, we can't finish a project where we're going to be able to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. I have no doubt that God wants us to reach more people here locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally in the name of Jesus. I have no doubt that Jesus wants you and me to invite our friends to come to this worship place and this serving place and this teaching place and this growing place known as New Life Christian Ministries because their lives will be changed forever when they do. I have no doubt that God is gonna do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or imagine, as the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 3.20 over these next three years, as we put him first. But that is the qualifier. If we say yes to him after we've counted the cost, every one of us, we won't believe what God is gonna do here. So let's look at Jesus' second example. He says, or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace. Well, the enemy is still far away. Now, it's no accident that Jesus gave the illustration this way. The first king has 10,000 soldiers. The second king has 20,000 soldiers. So... You have to count the cost when you're in that situation. If the first king had 20,000 soldiers and the second king had 10,000 soldiers, you don't really have to count the cost because you've got twice as many people, you're going to win. So why would Jesus put it this way, 10,000 versus 20,000? Because Jesus knows that sometime in life it seems like we're outnumbered, doesn't it? Because we are. 
Sometimes we are outnumbered. We go and we seek to do stuff for God, and it seems like it's impossible because we're outnumbered. And here's the thing. The people of Israel were outnumbered most of the time when they first became a people and went into the promised land, and yet when they let God be in charge, they won. It doesn't matter how many people are in your army if God's on your side. It only matters how many people are in your army if you're fighting by yourself. And so Jesus wanted us to consider this reality. When we're outnumbered, we have to have God on our side. And so whenever we think about what's going on in this, this illustration, Jesus was not saying up to this point, it could be, you could think that Jesus was saying, hey, stop following me, right? Because I'm making it so hard, there's no way you can follow me. He wasn't saying that. What he was saying, and this is the way I would put it is, is Jesus able to do what he promises, Is Jesus able to do what he promises? When he challenged that crowd so long ago to count the cost first, he wasn't saying, don't follow me because I can't do for you what you need me to do. He was saying, if you follow me, it's going to cost a tremendous amount. in your. It's going to cost everything. But the blessings are going to be incredible. Fifteen and a half years ago when Nancy and I started New Life, we had some idea of the cost. We had sat down and realized that since we only had 2,000 bucks, that it would be likely that we might lose our house because we probably might not have enough money to make the payments. We had no idea if New Life would, would survive, let alone thrive. But this is what we did know. We knew that God had always provided for our needs. We knew that when we said yes to God, he was always there for us. And so we stepped out in faith, believing that what he had done, he would continue to do. And we knew that we were stepping into the greatest mission on the planet, and that is to carry God's truth and love to a hurting world so that all of us can spend eternity with him. In other words, we put it this way, let's be a a small part of God's big thing, because that's far better than being a big part of anything on earth, right? I would rather be a small part of God's big thing than a big part of some earthly thing, and so that's what we did, and it hasn't been easy. But it's been incredible. Uh, and in fact, just that blessing of seeing Roger and Tammy these last two weeks sharing what God has done in their life through new life, that in itself is, is an incredible blessing. But trusting God, he not only saved us, but he's now sustained us over these 15 and a half years together. We must seriously consider giving God our best yes so we can offer God what he requires. And here's the thing. If we give God everything we have, he will give back so much more than we could ever ask or imagine. If I would have been told when I was a little kid growing up in Gypsy, Pennsylvania, that one day on a weekly basis I was going to be the lead pastor of a church in a place called Saxonburg, Pennsylvania, that reached about 1,500 people in this community. If I would have been told when I was that same little boy that I would have been on the board of a mission organization, Southeast Asia Prayer Center, that has reached millions of people with the gospel over the years of their existence, or that I would have had the opportunity personally to talk about Jesus with people in Cuba and Cambodia and China and even 10 miles from Mount Everest, I would never have believed it. It just just would not have seemed possible that any of those things could have happened. But how amazing it is when we get to be a small part of God's big thing. And even just in a very practical way, if you're considering saying yes over the next three years in this yes initiative and you say, well, I don't have very much and it won't make a difference. It will. If you have 10 cents, it'll make a difference. If you have $100, it'll make a difference. It doesn't matter. The number doesn't matter. It's the faithfulness and saying yes to God that matters. So Jesus closed out his conversation with the crowd 
by saying, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. <laughs> I bet you that thinned out the crowd. You can't be my disciple unless you give up everything you own. Now again, Jesus wasn't speaking literally to everybody because we know that Jesus didn't ask everybody to give up everything they owned. But what Jesus was saying to the crowd that day was everything you own is mine and you must be willing to give it up if I ask you and always remember to use it for me. If you've read The Treasure Principle, that little book that we gave out the last couple of weeks, you know that one of the truths that's put in there in that uh, Treasure Principle book is everything belongs to God. When Jesus says, give up everything and follow me, what he's saying is, recognize who owns everything you think you own. Now, I'm going to prove to you right now that you don't own anything, okay? I want you to think about everything you own, your house, your car, your, you know, stocks and bonds, if you have those kind of things, if you have, you know, a bank account, everything. Just picture right now that everything you own is right there in front of you. You got that? Everything you own is right in front of you. You got it? Okay, now what I want you to do, very simple thing. I want you to fast forward in your mind 150 years. How much of it will you still own? Right? In 150 years, you won't own anything. Neither will I. 150 years, well, we won't need to own anything because we'll either be in heaven or hell, right? In 150 years, we're either going to be enjoying the blessing and reward of having said yes, or, or we're going to be enjoying, I don't think the word enjoying, you know, the thing of whatever it is you call it for saying no. And so when Jesus told us to count the cost, what he was saying is it's all mine anyway, but if you use it for me and for my kingdom, you will be amazed at what's going to happen. So I don't, I don't very often, those of you who have been around for a while probably can count on this many fingers how many times I've quoted a poem. You know, back in the day when I was growing up, it was three points in a poem. I don't know if you're old enough to remember that, but preachers preach three points and a poem. We preach one point and no poem. But I have two lines of a poem for you that will help sort of anchor this whole message into your mind. One life will soon be passed. Only the things that are done for Christ will last. One thing soon will be passed. Only the things that are done for Christ will last. I didn't make that up. That's some other smarter guy than me. Okay, so as we think about our lives individually and our life together as New Life Christian Ministries, we must count the cost of saying yes before we do anything. Before we do anything, we need to, Jesus said, count the cost of saying yes. But I want you to understand, there's also a cost of saying no. In fact, that's the message for next week. The next week's message is going to be called the cost of saying no. Because every time we say yes to one thing, we're saying no to something else. And every time we say no to something, we can say yes to something else, right? So here's an example. Um, Nancy and I, or you and your family, when you sit down to count the cost of saying yes to contributing financially to the Yes Initiative over these next three years, if you say yes, you're going to have to say no to a lot of other financial things, potentially, right? And good things. So you'll have to sacrifice something in order to say yes to this. And so Nancy and I have prayed about it, and, and we've, we've discussed it. You know, we've, we've you know, got our little Excel spreadsheet out and figured everything out. And with everything involved, we decided to say an emphatic yes anyway, because we would rather invest in God's big thing than in our bunch of small things. And, and we hope that you will do the same thing in the next couple of weeks. So Jesus said, count the cost before you begin. That's a good thing to do every day. Wake up in the morning and say, what am I going to do today? Huh? What's going to be the cost at home, at work, at school? 
In the places I hang out, if I say yes, if I say yes in front of my friends to Jesus, what is that? What no's are that going to bring into my life? Well, will my friends not want to be my friends anymore? Do you realize sometimes when you say yes to Jesus, there are people who won't want to hang out with you? And so you have to count that cost. When you say yes to Jesus, that means you won't do certain things that, that you have done before. And people will say, hey, wait a minute. What's, well, you're not holier than, you know, because what are you, a Mr. Mr. Preacher man? Actually, I can say, yes, I sort of am. You know, you won't be able to say that. But, but the bottom line is you will be asked to do things in the world that you have to say no if you're saying yes to Jesus and vice versa, right? So holding Jesus' truth and love together is something that we committed to do from the day we started new life. Speak the truth, always share it in love. Now, when you put those two things together, it's really hard and it can get really messy, Quite easily it gets messy because it's, it's easy to say no to truth and yes to love. It's easy to say no to love and yes to truth. But when you put those together, it becomes extremely hard. And, and you know what? If you say no to either of these, these things, you're saying no to half of the gospel because the gospel is truth and love, not truth or love, right? And so even how we live our lives as, as, a, as followers of Jesus in and through new life is radically different because we've said two yeses that often are very, very hard to keep together, and that's going to make us say no to things that are going to surprise people at times. So here's today's commitment. I will offer Jesus my best yes. I will offer Jesus my best yes. Now, often the, the commitment says, I will offer Jesus my best yes this week, right? But I didn't put any timeline on it this week. I will offer Jesus my best yes. Because I want that to be open-ended. Probably before this worship gathering ends, you'll have an opportunity to say yes or no to something. Probably before you get home, you will have the opportunity to say yes or no to something. So I don't want it to be your best yes today or your best yes you know, this week. But, but just every time there's an opportunity to say yes or no, I want you to say yes to the thing that will glorify Jesus. Give him your best yes, and, and I will do the same. And here's the thing. I can't make that commitment for you. I can tell you if you make that commitment, there will be a cost associated. Every time you give God your best yes, you're going to be saying no to other things, and, and they won't always be easy things. And that's why I said at the beginning, don't you wish it would be easier to follow Jesus, right? But here's what I know. We are going to use our time, our talents, our treasure, and our touch differently when we give God our best yes. And we'll understand, first off, it's not ours anyway. It's all his. And he just entrusts it to us for a time. And we get to use it for his glory or we don't. We get to use it to support our families and ourselves and and others or we don't. And, And so the thing is, we are going to stumble. Actually, we're going to fall down sometimes. Because sometimes that inner battle between the Holy Spirit in us and our selfishness, we're going to lose the battle. We're going to stumble. But here's the good news I want to close with today. We serve one who never stumbled. We serve one who never stumbled. He struggled. In fact, the book of Hebrews, it's so cool because the book of Hebrews says Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, but he never sinned. And so he gave his best yes to us, and he died on the cross for us, and certainly he had to say no to a lot of other things, including his own life, in order to say yes in that moment. And we know that's who we serve, and we know he's not just beside us, he's in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. So when it's really, really hard, impossible, the simple thing to do, not the easy thing, but the simple thing to do is to remember that he's with us, and he's in us by his Holy Spirit. Call on him. 
because he never stumbles. He never falls. And he's always there to pick us up when we do. So this week, this week, and next week, but this week, every time you have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus and you do it, I want you to remember something. I've been talking about the cost of saying yes. There's also a reward. Do you realize your reward is great in heaven if you say yes to Jesus here? In fact, there's not just a cost of saying yes, but there's a reward. So let's go out and let's say yes to the things that will glorify Jesus. Say yes to the things that will draw us closer to him. Yes to the things that will build his kingdom. Yes, that will make us a little part of his big thing. And, and I don't know what those no's are going to be, but we'll talk about that next week. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for the life that is truly life that only you can give. And God, we know there's a cost. There's a cost to everything in life. There's a cost to not following you just the same as there's a cost to following you. And so I pray for your Holy Spirit to be poured in each of us. God, I pray especially for anybody in the room today or in the building that can hear or on the, on the website that's watching this on the internet. God, I pray for anyone who doesn't know you as Savior and Lord, who hasn't understood what it means to have their sins and their brokenness taken away, that today they would, that today they would say yes to you as Savior, but also understand that that means Lord, and so that they would give their life into your safekeeping for the rest of their lives. And God, for those of us who have already said yes to you as Savior and Lord, I pray for a deepening of that yes. I pray that every time there's an opportunity for a decision and a commitment that we will say yes to you. I ask that you will empower us to do that moment by moment, day by day, for as long as you give us until we see you face to face. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.